I read an article recently about British police that pulled over a man going 129 miles per hour. And when they asked him why he was going so fast, he told them that he had just left McDonald's and he wanted to get home before his fries got cold. Now, first of all, he has a point, right? You don't want to eat McDonald's fries cold. He has a point, but of course, he broke the law to try to get home in time. You know what that man had? That man had urgency. Urgency. And I'm going to make the case that you and I, when it comes to our mission as a church, should have urgency. Urgency delivers us from just going through the weekly motions of programming and ministry. Urgency keeps us focused on what God has called us to do. And lights a fire in our hearts to do it. So keeping that in mind, I want you to look with me in the book of 3 John. You can turn all the way back to Revelation, then go back a book to Jude, and then go back one more book. And you are in 3 John, probably only a page in your Bible. It's only one chapter. 3 John, we'll begin reading in verse 5. 3 John, verse 5. I want to ask you this morning, if you're physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Now listen, just to kind of orient you as to how you engage the sermon... I told the first service that now that we have free coffee available, I expect a more lively congregation. <laughs> I, I expect more amens out there. All right? Just letting you know. Just on the front end. All right. All right. Amen. There we go. Third John, verse 5. The Bible says, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Let's pray together this morning. Father in heaven, we come to you today in Jesus' name. We are so grateful for this opportunity to gather for corporate worship. We thank you for the Christ-honoring truth that we were able to sing, and we're grateful for the opportunity to study your word and let the truth of your word transform our lives. So Holy Spirit of God, would you accompany the preaching of your word by your power that you would open the eyes of our hearts, that we would see the truths of scripture and have the inclination to respond to what we see. Would you so work in our midst, Lord, that the mighty and strong name of Jesus is exalted? And would you so work that we would leave today saying, Hallelujah, what a Savior. And we'll thank you and praise you for that grace. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Well, this is the last sermon in a series of sermons that is focused on our vision. We're calling it Vision 2017. I like to take the first part of the new year and refocus us on what God has called us to do and who God has called us to be. And 
Every week of the vision series, I've reminded you of our vision statement, what our vision statement is. And it's in your bulletin, you hear it all the time. Our vision is to expand God's kingdom across the street and around the world. That's the kind of church we want to be. And our vision has four components, four things that we want to have as realities in the life of our church that will help us to be a kingdom-expanding church. Now, if you see our icon, our icon has four parts that make up the, the, the whole, and the four parts remind us of those four components. For example, the first component, the first sermon I preached to you, dealt with kingdom citizens. Uh, we believe that everybody is, on the face of the earth, is in one of two kingdoms. Everyone is in one of two kingdoms, either the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness. And the way that people go from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God, is through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way to be brought into the kingdom of God. So it is our mission and goal and vision to share the good news with everyone everywhere so that people can hear about Jesus and respond to Him, be saved, be born again, and be brought into, ushered into the kingdom of God. And so we want to be a church that makes kingdom citizens by sharing the good news. The second component of our kingdom vision deals with kingdom connections. We believe that when you have people that are followers of Christ, that we uh, want to encourage them to engage in small groups because growth, maturity in your spiritual journey happens best in the context of community, in the context of relationships. And so we want to encourage folks to get plugged into a what we call connect group so that you don't get lost in the crowd. In those connect groups, we want to see three things happen. We want to see maturity happen. As you gather together week after week and you're studying God's Word, you are growing in your faith. We want to see ministry happen. As you get to know folks, you can help them out when they have needs. They can help you when you have needs. And we want to see multiplication happen. We want to see new groups started uh, all over this community. And so uh, we cast that vision a few weeks ago, but we think it's important that, that you get plugged into a small group so that you don't get lost in the crowd. The fourth part, or third part of our kingdom vision deals with kingdom families, kingdom homes. And I share with you that our goal is for our homes to be kingdom outposts that shine brightly for Jesus Christ. We talked about marriage, we talked about parenting, and we talked about the ministries here at our church, like the path that are designed to come along beside you as a family, to encourage you, to equip you, to help you, because we want our families to be kingdom families that, again, shine brightly for Jesus. The fourth component of our kingdom vision, which is what I want to talk to you about this morning, deals with kingdom advance. We want to be a church that advances God's kingdom in a very intentional manner. So I want to share that with you. But notice, right in the middle of our icon, with the four different parts... There is a cross, and the cross is a constant and continual reminder that the gospel of Jesus Christ is central to all that we do. If our ministry, if our programming is not based upon the blood of Jesus Christ, then we are just a social organization, and we want to be a church that is based upon the finished work of our Savior. His name is Jesus. And so keeping that in mind... I want to talk to you about kingdom advance. What does kingdom advance uh, look like? And before we kind of dig into 3 John together, I want to give you a statement. 
statement's very simple, but it's one we need to understand. The statement is that the Great Commission is for every Christian. The Great Commission is for every Christian. Now, you remember that Jesus gave his disciples, right before he ascended to the Father, the Great Commission. At the end of Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said to his disciples that they were to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that Christ has commanded. Now you say, well, that was just for the disciples. Well, in John 17, Jesus is praying for his disciples to go out into the world with the good news. And he says that prayer, I'm not only praying for these 11 that you've given me uh, to equip and to train and send out, I'm praying for all of those who will come to follow Christ as a result of the message they're preaching. So if you have become a follower of Christ by responding to the gospel, Jesus was praying for you to be a Great Commission Christian. So the Great Commission is for everybody. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for what we call missionaries. The Great Commission is for everyone. And the Holy Spirit of God shows us what our particular assignment is under that umbrella so we can be a part of fulfilling the Great Commission. Matter of fact, one of my favorite definitions of a missionary uh, points to this idea that everyone is a Great Commission or to be a Great Commission Christian. The statement comes from David Seals in his book, uh, The Missionary Call. In that book, David Seals says, A missionary is anyone, everyone say anyone, anyone who can never get used to the sound of footsteps on their way to a Christless eternity. So if lostness troubles you, if it troubles you that there are thousands in this area, in this community, that are far from God, lost in their sins, if it troubles you that in our nation we are losing the next generations, if it troubles you that there are billions of people in our world who are lost and far from God, if it troubles you that there are tens of millions of people in our world that have never even heard the name of Jesus, if that troubles you, guess what? You're a missionary. You're a great commission Christian. Here's how Spurgeon said it, the great 18th century preacher. He said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Let that settle on you for a moment. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. So keeping that in mind, how are we going as a church, as a local church and individual members, how are we going to be a part of kingdom advance? Advancing the kingdom of God. Well, I want to just give you an answer, and it comes from... Third John. And I want to share with you our strategy first, and then secondly, I want to share our motivation to follow that strategy and, and be involved in that strategy. Number one, let's talk about our strategy. Our strategy has two very simple parts. You ready? The first part of our strategy is sending. Sending. Now, the Apostle John is writing to a man named Gaius, who is an elder, a leader of a church. And in this very brief letter, he makes some comments about how a local church, a body of believers, can be and should be a sending church. Look what he says in verse 5. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do 
in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church, you do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. So in this passage, John is talking about believers who were going out as missionaries. They were being sent out, going to other places to share the gospel and make disciples. And John says to Gaius, to this church, it is a good thing that you are sending them out. And so we want to be that kind of church, a church that sends people out. Now, how are we going to send people out? Well, we've got several ways uh, that we're going to send people out. First of all, we want to send church planters. Church planters. A church plant is simply the starting of a brand new church where there was not a church before. That's what a church plant is. And before you think, well, that's, you know, that's real cutting edge, listen to me. Every church that's in existence is a church plant. In other words, they had a point when they started, right? And so we want to start more churches. We want to send out church planters. And one of the initiatives that we have in place here is a church planting internship. And we think it's important to bring people on staff so we can invest and encourage and then send out to plant a brand new church. And here's the exciting thing. We've planted, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, working on five churches. And this will be number six that we are directly involved in. And we are excited about that. But we are to the place where we are ready to start a brand new church in eastern DeSoto County. On staff right now, we have a church planning intern. His name is Lawson Harlow. His wife's name is Beth. They've been with us since the summer, and they've been such an encouragement to us. And Lawson's working hard. He's going through uh, church planter training with our state uh, network, church planning network. He's involved in some training here in the life of the church, involved in our staff. And he's working hard to put the pieces in place to start a brand new church. We put a timeline in place, and here's what we're excited to announce. It looks like in the fall of this year, we will be ready to launch Mercy Hill Church in the eastern part of this county. And we are thrilled about that. We can't wait. Now, every time you announce announce a date, things begin to move really, really fast. And there's a lot of things that have to happen leading up to that moment. But we can't wait to see this new church started. And here's what I'm asking of you. I'm asking you to pray and consider the fact that God may send you out to go with Lawson and Beth to start this church, to be a part of a core group, to support the efforts of this new church starting. And here's the phrase that I've coined when it comes to sending people out like this. We would hate to lose you, but we would love to send you. We would love to send a a strong core group of folks that will encourage the work and be a vital part of that work with this new church plant. So we want to send Lawson and Beth out, and we want to send a core group to go with them. So we want you to pray and consider that. There are already some of you praying and thinking, and you, you've been in conversation with Lawson and Beth and, and seeing what God may be doing there. That's thrilling to hear. Because some of you may be here and not understand the, the background or history of our church. When you walk through this hallway right here into the new lobby, on the right side, there's a wall with a little bit of our history there. I hope you'll take a look at that. It's pretty neat to, to see that. But we were started in 2002. I was the church planter, 
And I was sent out by Longview Heights Baptist Church. They sent me out and they supported me by paying my salary and giving some startup money. And Longview Heights sent with me and Claire a core group of people that lived basically in the Hernando area, about 35 folks. And let me tell you about those 35 folks. Among those 35 folks are some of the best folks I've ever been associated with. I mean folks that are faithful to the Lord, that love Jesus, love this church, best friends of mine. And the fact that I was sent out by this church and I had a core group of people around me that encouraged me and encouraged Claire and were a vital part of the work was in... I can't, I can't communicate to you how invaluable that was. And what God did through 35 committed faithful folks. And so we want to see that happen again and again. And again, because not only do we want to start new churches, we want to start new churches that start new churches. That, that's a part of the DNA of the churches we start. That they're going to plant churches that plant churches that plant churches. So we'll be parents, then we'll be grandparents, then we'll be great-grandparents as a church. And so we want to send out church planters. We are always on the lookout. Our missions pastor had a great conversation with a gentleman that may be coming to the area, the Memphis area, in the next year or so, and, and, and looking for possibilities to, to see what God's doing. We're always looking for folks that we can send out to start new churches. You say, wait, we have too many churches. Well, hey, question, are there any lost people around DeSoto County? Okay, when all the lost people are saved, then we can talk about church saturation. We say, wait, it'd be like Walgreens. We'll have a church on every corner. Would that be a bad thing? Would that be a bad thing? No, we want to be a part of starting brand new works. We're sending out church planters. We want to send out core groups to go with them when it's geographically feasible. Not only do we want to send out church planters, we want to send out others called to ministry. We want God to find folks here at Longview Point to send out to minister in other churches. Vocational ministries like we want to send out worship pastors and youth pastors and children's workers and preschool directors and and we we want to send out men and women that are called by God to vocational ministry we want God to come here and 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 raise up people and and send them out I found a interesting article recently and it was troubling Because this article said that the average age of pastors in America is going up. That means that we don't have as many young men going into the pastorate. Which is going to be a real problem for churches moving forward. And I read that and I thought, God, would you do something here at the point? Would you raise up young men and send them into the pastorate? And show us how we can support them and equip them and train them and help them and encourage them along the way. Because God, we want to see that change. And and would you you do it here at the point? When I was 12 years old, I had an interesting conversation with a lady in my church named Helen Pitts. Helen Pitts was my Sunday school teacher growing up. And we had a very small group of kids. And so she just moved up with us every year. So she was my third grade Sunday school teacher. And then she was my fourth grade Sunday school teacher. And... She was my fifth grade Sunday school teacher and my sixth grade Sunday school teacher. She just moved up with us. And she was a godly lady. She was a widow. 
And I remember before every class on Sunday morning, she would talk about how that morning she had prayed on the full armor of God. And she taught us the Word of God. And when I was 12, Miss Helen came to me one day and she said, she said, Wade, God's going to call you to be a preacher. And I thought she had lost her mind. But guess what? About nine years later, I surrendered to God's call to be a pastor. And she challenged me to consider that, even at a young age. And, and I, I want people, particularly young people in life for church, I want them to consider, hey, could God be calling me? Could God be calling me? Boy, it would be exciting to see God raise up people that we can thrust out to minister in churches. Wouldn't that be awesome? That happened here at the point. So we want to send out church planners. We want to send out others called to ministry. We want to send out short-term teams. By that, I mean a group of people that go on a week to 10-day to two-week trip somewhere in North America or the world and in a strategic partnership with a church planter or a missionary, they go and do some work for Jesus, letting their light shine. And we have all types of opportunities for you to be involved in short-term mission trips. As a matter of fact, I think it's interesting that even this weekend, we have three teams leaving. Three teams, over 20 folks leaving Southeast Asia. Two other teams going to South Asia to, to go and make a difference with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have all types of trips throughout this year, North America, into the nations. And so we want you to consider that God may want you to take some time and go on a short-term trip. As a matter of fact, you can go into our new lobby. We have a brand new missions wall, and it looks great. You go to that missions wall, there's some information there about how you can get plugged into these trips. Uh, there, there's even a passport application that you can get and get your passport and, and get ready to go overseas, perhaps. But we want you to go on short-term trips. Trips. We have these wonderful strategic partnerships all over this country and world that we can go be a part of a strategy to reach people for Christ. You can make a difference by going on a short-term trip. Because here's the thing about short-term trips. Not only do you go and make a difference, but when you go, you get changed. And you come back to Hernando differently. And the fire that God kindled when you went, you bring back with you. And that fire catches hold with other hearts and they catch fire too. And we catch fire together to reach the lost with the gospel. So short-term trips are good for that. They change your life. They change your perspective. They change your worldview. As you consider lostness at an entirely different level and your role in impacting that lostness. So we want to send out short-term teams, and we want to send out long-term missionaries. Now, everybody's a missionary. I know I said that already. But we want to send out people that will go out for an extended period of time planting their life. Maybe another area, cross-cultural setting in North America, or maybe in another country among unreached peoples, planting their life to share the gospel, make disciples, be a catalyst for starting new churches and a church-planting movement. There are people right now overseas that were sitting right where you're sitting. And God called them. And they left and we sent them out. And I want you to consider that God may be calling you. Maybe calling you, your family, to maybe 
leave your job, sell your house, or maybe transfer your job to another place where you can do your job somewhere else to make disciples in an area that needs it. But we want you to consider that God could be calling you. We love the thrill of sending people out that are going to plant their lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we want to see God do that in an ever-increasing way in the life of our church. We want to see God send out long-term cross-cultural missionaries. I had a conversation with some staff members recently. We are talking about a man named George Stott. And George Stott was a school teacher in Scotland, and he only had one leg. And the Lord got a hold of George Stott, and he wanted to go to China to be a missionary in the 1800s. And so this one-leg school teacher went to Hudson Taylor, great man of faith who led the China Inland Mission. And he went to Hudson Taylor and said, I want to be a missionary with your, with your group, with your organization. And Hudson Taylor asked him this, Why, with only one leg, do you think of going as a missionary? Listen to George Stott's answer. He said, I do not see those with two legs going, so I will. He was accepted. There are not enough people going. And maybe as we ask the Lord of the harvest to thrust out laborers into the harvest, maybe, just maybe, he'll knock on the doors of hearts of folks here that are members of the point and send them out. And there is nothing more thrilling than that. So consider that. Pray. God may want to send you. So our strategy is, first of all, sending. Secondly, our strategy is supporting. Not only do we want to send folks out, we want to support the work going on all around the world. Look in 3 John verse 8. Talking about those sent out with the gospel. He says, therefore, we ought... To support people like these. That's pretty clear, isn't it? If we're going to be a Great Commission church, a kingdom advancing church, then we want to send folks out and we want to support those that are sent out. Now, how do we support those who are sent out? Three things. Number one, through prayer. Through prayer. Colossians chapter 4, Paul asked the church in Colossae to pray for him. He writes, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. So Paul's saying, here's how you can pray for me. Pray that God would open wide doors so I can reach people and speak to people of Jesus and pray that when those doors are open, I will have clarity and boldness in my speaking. You ever wondered how to pray for missionaries? Just like this. Pray for open doors. Pray for boldness and clarity when they share the gospel. That's how you can effectively, systematically, consistently pray for missions. Go to the missions wall. There'll be some information there about how you can pray uh, more intentionally for the work going on all around the world. We can support through prayer. Secondly, we can support by giving. By giving. Paul writes to the church in Philippi in Philippians chapter 4. You Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. 
Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Here's what Paul's saying. Your church sent Epaphroditus with some money. And those financial resources allowed me to live and do ministry here so I can make disciples. And so he's thanking the church in Philippi for their missions giving, their financial support. And we can support the work of God in this world financially. Now let me just say very quickly here a big thank you because you get this. And you have responded dramatically to the call to support missions through your giving. In 2016, through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, which goes to international missions, you gave over $200,000. $200,000 plus! Incredible! What God did through you! And that's year after year after year when you answer the challenge to give. Now here's what's interesting. When Paul writes this thank you to the church in Philippi for giving, look what he says in verse 19. He says, My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So he's saying, hey, as you give to support me, God will support you. God will give you everything you need. Now at the end of 2016... Money was coming in for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. I mean, thousands and thousands of dollars. It was thrilling to see. But when we looked at our budget, we were almost, uh, near the end of the year, about $40,000 behind budget. A lot of money behind budget. But here's what happened. By the end of the year, you'd given over $200,000 to Lottie Moon, and we met budget. And God reminded me through that, listen, if you will prioritize missions giving, I'll take care of your needs. Because listen, you can't outgive God. If we will give sacrificially, God will take care of our church. He will. He's done it year after year after year after year. As we give to support the Pauls out there, God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. So we can support through prayer and by giving. Not only do you give to Lottie Moon, your 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 week in, week out tithes and offerings, we forward a lot of money, thousands of dollars on to missions causes. God is using you in remarkable ways. And I'll be honest with you, I feel a little proud of you. I do. I know I'm not supposed to to, to brag or boast, but I can boast in what I see Jesus doing through you. And I'm excited about what I see Jesus doing through you. What a privilege to be your pastor. So we can, we can support through prayer and we can support by giving. But third, we can support with encouragement. Back in 3 John, look what John writes in verse 5. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, these missionaries sent out, strangers as they are, you don't even know them very well, who testified to your love before the church. So these folks that were sent out to make disciples in other areas, they told John how how much Gaius' church loved them. They testified to the love of the church. 
the support, the, the encouragement of the church. And one way that we can be a kingdom advancing church is by consistent encouragement for those that God sends. And you do this beautifully. Every year we have a global impact conference and God sends us families that minister all over the world. And one of the highlights for me is to see the way that you, as a church family, the way you love on those families. They tell me every year, every year, how encouraging this church is. There are folks that you stay in contact with, that, that you met at the GIC. And, and that's incredible. And guess what's about to happen? We're about to do some more construction, so I'd love to tell you there's no more construction dust around, but I would be lying. All right. Now that we're finished with that, that expansion, we're going to renovate the office suite so we can get our staff together. But when we finish up that office suite and get the walls uh, renovated and all of that, uh, there are some staff members that are uh, in an office in a house that the church owns next door to our property. And when the office is renovated and we all move our offices in there, that home now is freed up for missionary families. The way missionary uh, service usually works is folks go for about three to four years. At the end of that term, they come home for about six to nine months. They come home for training, for support, for refreshment, for networking, and then they go back. And so we can open up this house for folks to come stateside and say, hey, while you're here, won't you live in this house and be a part of our church family? And here's what's going to happen. They're going to do that, and you are going to love on them. And I can't wait to see that. I can't wait to see the way you love on the families that God sends to live in that house for a temporary uh, period of time. I believe the testimony will be just like the testimony here in 3 John. That we'll have folks that, that go out and say, Hey, Longview Point, the, those folks, they loved us. They encouraged us. You can make a difference simply through your encouragement, through your love. I like to tell people that we have strategic partnerships with. I love to tell them this. If you ever have a need, you call us. And if the point can meet that need, we will come running. And I tell folks that consistently because you've done it before. When folks have needs, you step up and meet those needs. You are an encouraging church and let's keep it up. There's much work left to do. So, so we send folks out and we support the folks sent out through our prayer, by our giving, and with our encouragement. But I don't want to leave you here. I don't want to just give you a strategy and some plans and some, some thoughts. I want to talk to you about motivation. Because you can have those strategies and do nothing, right? You, you can just kind of go through the motions with no urgency, right? So what's going to fuel the fire of urgency in our lives so we are doing this stuff and advancing God's kingdom? Two very simple things. Number one, saved souls. Our motivation is saved souls. Look what John writes to Gaius at the beginning of this letter. He says... Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth 
as indeed you are walking in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So Paul is alluding to the reality that Gaius and the others in this church, at one point in their lives, were far from God. Lost and in their sins. Worshipping false gods or believing false ideas or holding on to false worldviews. And then someone came into their area and shared the good news of Jesus Christ. And Gaius heard it and responded and was saved. The folks in this church heard it, responded, were saved. And a new church was started as folks got saved. And Paul or John says, it is so good to hear that you are walking in the truth. And there's nothing more thrilling than to see someone who is not in the truth, far from God, to to get saved and start walking in the truth. To see the difference that Jesus makes, to see folks saved, it is a motivator. So the reason we want to be a church of kingdom advance is so that we can see people saved as we share the good news. You get a chance, go into our lobby and look at the missions wall and the monitor in there, the screen, there are some scrolling pictures and videos. Some of them are from trips that we've taken here, sent people out from the point. Some of them are just pictures of people that lived in areas that are largely unreached. I was watching this morning and seeing these faces, men and women, boys and girls in places like Sri Lanka and the Maldives and Bangladesh and India and and just looking at those faces and considering the lostness of our world and how much there is left to do and how we need a spirit-empowered urgency to get the gospel out. And so, saved souls are a motivation to advance God's kingdom. When we go out with the gospel... People get saved from, a, from, from marching to a Christless eternity to calling God Father through Jesus Christ. Going to heaven when they die. That should be a motivator for our lives. But secondly, not only should we be motivated by saved souls, we should be motivated by the fame of Jesus. The fame of Jesus. Look what it says in verse 7 of 3 John. He says, they, these missionaries, we'd call them, they have gone out for the sake of the name. In other words, their primary motivator was the fame of Jesus Christ. They went because they wanted Jesus to get more glory. They went because they wanted more and more people to give him the worship he deserves. They wanted more people to embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The fame of Jesus was their motivation. They went out for the sake of the name. So you might ask, wait, why all this? Church planting and short-term trips and giving and praying. and Why all this? Wait, why all this effort? Why all this focus on missions? What's this all about? It's about the sake of the name. It's about the glory of Jesus. He's worthy of all glory from every tribe, every tongue, every people group. And we want to get the gospel to them so they can give him the praise and worship he deserves. Amen? Amen. 
the fame of Jesus. That's our motivator. That's what will keep the fires of missions burning in our hearts so that we can be a kingdom-advancing church. I like this quote from Matt Papa in his book, Look and Live. He writes, The greatest motivation to to share the gospel with someone today and every day? Another voice around the throne. A louder song for Jesus. Why do we go? Why do we send? Why do we give? Why do we pray? Why do we encourage? Because we want a louder song for Jesus. We want more and more voices around the throne on that day singing, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. And that should be our number one motivator. The glory of King Jesus. So here's the point. What do we mean by kingdom advance? We will constantly go and consistently send for the glory of Jesus Christ. That's what I mean. We will constantly go, consistently send for the glory of Jesus Christ. Because listen to me. There's something that calls for much more urgency than McDonald's french fries. The gospel of Jesus Christ, a lost world that desperately needs to hear. So, by God's grace, with His wisdom, with urgency fueling our hearts, we will go, we will send in an ever increasing way for the glory of His name.